Welcome to Planet Logic and Political Pursuits, the podcast. Today's episode, The Politics of Deception. I'm Lynn Woolley. Um, I'm the guy that sort of kind of runs uh, uh, Planet Logic, and Lou Ann Anderson is here. Her podcast is Political Pursuits, and um, we combine them from time to time. The Politics of Deception, you know, it, it's interesting that they would put a guy like Derek Chauvin in the general population in a prison with all the political charged atmosphere that happened from the George Floyd situation on through the trial and on beyond, and now he's been stabbed. Well, we've always heard that, oh, it's so dangerous for a police officer, you know, be it current or, you know, someone that was a former officer, uh, to be put in that general population. And with Chauvin, it's kind of like, well, that would seem to have been the point, was it not? Well, I wonder. There are obviously things that Derek Chauvin knows. I mean, he was there. He knows what happened. I'm sure he's had plenty of time in prison to study all this, to look at the autopsy reports, to try to decide if the doctors that did the autopsy reports on George Floyd were in some way influenced by politics or by politicians. Well, a lot of this is following the same kind of trajectory as we've seen with the J6 from the very beginning, there were questions that went unanswered. We've gone through trials and prosecutions where evidence has either not been allowed or been withheld. Again, where there has, seems to be a exculpatory information out there, but somehow it can't get into the right venue at the right time to help those that are being accused. And then it becomes part of the cover-up. And I also, you know, in the same thing with Chauvin and this happening, I still to this day wonder, remember old Terry McVeigh? You know, he's the only guy I've ever known that was actually put to death as quickly as he was with uh, Oklahoma City. Funny how these people that might know something don't seem to do so well. No, they don't. And it's interesting that you mentioned January 6th in the same breath as the Derek Chauvin situation because a lot of stuff's coming out on January 6th that apparently Liz Cheney wasn't interested in knowing. Politics of deception. Is Chauvin a murderer? Was January 6th really a left-wing riot put on by the Proud Boys? Because both of those things are what we have been told. You know, I just finished a piece and just posted it, actually, less than two hours ago at the time we're doing this recording. And it's about... The whole idea of, of justice being at opposite ends with O.J. Simpson and with Derek Chauvin. O.J. Simpson, because of, of, of various things in society, including race, could not be convicted. It just wasn't going to work. Couldn't do it. Social justice would not let it happen. Derek Chauvin, on the other hand, could not be exonerated. There's absolutely no way that man could walk out of that courtroom free. Well, because Minneapolis would burn, and then St. Paul would burn, and then Seattle would burn, and Miami would burn, and Atlanta would burn again. And there are certain things that can't can't happen, so they have to deceive us because of things that, that have to be done. You mentioned um, the guy that blew up the Oklahoma City. McVeigh. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly, McVeigh. I was just looking at my copy of uh, The Third Terrorist by Jana Davis earlier this morning. Uh, yes. Um there are so many things about January 6th that we don't know. And do we really seriously know the results 
of the George Floyd autopsy. No, no, absolutely do we, we don't. Know, do we know what happened in Indianapolis when the school was shot up and it turns out that they did not want the manifesto to be leaked? Oh, 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 you mean Nashville. Nashville, Nashville that's right. Nashville, yes. Nashville, yes, sure, sorry. Yes, yes, Ab- absolutely. No, we, we hide lots of things. Um, you know, what I think is so interesting when you keep talking about the OJ and the and the Chauvin is that OJ couldn't be convicted because, remember, all of that happened right in the aftermath of the L.A. riots. Mm-hmm. And all of the city officials were so concerned that a conviction was going to spark another round of the riots that they were still working to get past both you know, physically in terms of damage to the city, as well as the the strained relations, the race relations that were still going on. So you had OJ who couldn't be convicted because it was going to cause or potentially going to cause civil unrest. Meanwhile, when you have Chauvin here, Jack Posobiec, he has been maintaining for over a year that Derek Chauvin's prosecution was all about using it as a pretext for fomenting civil unrest that actually was just simply a domestic color revolution to get things ginned up here ahead of the 2020 election. Well, and and excuse me for making another 90-degree turn, but uh, it seems like to me that Epstein died fairly quickly as well uh, because of the things he knew died with him unless there's some record somewhere and and the, it's do we have we ever had the list of the people who visited Epstein's island? Oh, absolutely not. So we don't really know that. We don't really know the full story of January 6. We don't really know what happened with the autopsy and what happened that day that George Floyd was killed. But we know what the results of all these things are, and, and the results precisely what somebody manipulates them into being. Well, and anyone who aggressively pursues them, any reporter, which strictly it's going to be people of the independent mm-hmm. yeah, you'll media, end up, you'll end up laying on your back at Fort Marcy Park. Yes, or or you know, at the least, being termed a conspiracy theorist. And so, any you know, so yes, I mean, people are are dissuaded from. From, from looking into the real details. Meanwhile, the corporate media, how can you have such a bunch of uncurious, intellectually uncurious people that actually call themselves reporters? Speaking of CNN, um, <laughs> I've, just, I've just, you know, come to the conclusion that uh, the little snob woman that does the 6 o'clock in the central time zone, Erin uh, Burnett, is just there to do hit pieces. She was doing them all last week. On every conservative she could think of, she was doing hit pieces. So I don't know. I think uh, I think with with Musk coming in and taking over Twitter and changing it into X, you know, that's roiled a lot of people too because X had, I think, or Twitter at the time, I think it has more influence or had more influence. I don't know where it stands now on these elections than did Facebook. Facebook, you get a certain feed and you get whatever they want you to have. X is pretty much out there uh, for anybody to see anything. And uh, I think that's why you're seeing all the gnashing of teeth and, and why I think the next person who could 
might, might want to look behind him, in front of him, and to both sides and have a few guards as Elon Musk. Oh, I'm sure he already is. I'm sure he is. Um, I and would Robert just, Kennedy, who can't get Secret right, Service protection. Yes, yes. Um, before we leave on the Chauvin thing, I just also would, would mention that the timing of this is kind of suspicious. Now, of course, Scott Adams has been on Twitter just men- mentioning just as it does happen that it was Black Friday that <laughs> Are you Chauvin, talking about Gilbert's father? Yes. That Chauvin yeah. happened to have happened to be stabbed. So just kind of a little FYI on that. Well wait that. a minute, wait, 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 wait. When you've got a cop who's been convicted of murder, he's white, the guy that died is black. You put him in the general population because you want him dead, right? Well, I was I Let's, we were told forever that you couldn't put them in the population, the general population, because it would be too dangerous. So with that line of thought, to put them into the general population, then yes, that would seem to be the point that we were setting up, that a, a dangerous situation was being set up. But I think it's also noteworthy <clears throat> that here in the last uh, week or so, a new documentary has come out called Fall of Minneapolis, and it is available on Rumble. I have not seen it yet, but um, it is available on Rumble. And evidently, it does a nice job putting together a lot of this information that has been drip, drip, dripping out in the years since the Floyd's death. And certainly does a, a job to, to raise some questions. And with that, you know, Derek Chauvin is the loose end that is really inconvenient. He is he is very inconvenient because, as, as we've talked about already, these sorts of incidents seem to be, when they happen, I don't know that they're staged or that they're forced in any way, but when they do happen, there's this old saying on the left, never let a good crisis go to waste. So this George Floyd thing was trumped up to pump it for everything you could get out of it. And they got an entire summer of riots in which people were murdered. Police were stoned with rocks. Cars were overturned. Police units were burned out. Um, A a separate country was set up in Seattle. Uh, It never stopped. And it went on and on in Portland longer than it went anywhere else. We had fiery but peaceful protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin, according to CNN. Somebody and wanted that to happen, Luann. Absolutely. And the, the theoretical racial divide that that helped supposedly, you know, illustrate continues even more so today when there are, you know, a lot of people, both black and white, that were like, wow, I didn't realize we were so divided before then. Well, if we don't realize we're divided... Maybe we're not all that divided. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, uh, I'm one of those people, that, you know, for a long time, certainly since after high school, has tried my best to ignore the color of skin of people because I think we'd all be better off if we did and we went on merit. But there's a big problem with that. It doesn't fit in with the new Marxism. Now, the old Marxism that... Karl Marx and and Frederick Engels and all those guys promoted, divided us by boss and worker, corporation and and worker. It was a workers' movement. Socialism was a workers' movement. 
and uh, Marxism was, was a workers' movement. It was an economic class warfare. But you had to have the two sides. You had to have the oppressed, and you had to have the oppressors, and it was all divided by by the situation that you were in, the class that you were in, based on your work. Now they divide us by race, and they're doing the exact same thing, except instead of using it as a workers' movement, now it's a racial movement. Exactly. And never mind that pesky Civil Rights Act of 1964 that said you can't discriminate based on, among other things, race. CRT, DEI, that's all that is. Yeah, I mean— we're in a situation now where if you're if you're a, a person that's in a position to hire at a major U.S. company, and it gets down to two people, one's white and one's black, or one's white and one's Hispanic, or one's male and one's female, and it gets down to two people and their their scores as far as who should be hired are exactly identical, the minority is going to get the job every time, and there's something disturbing about that too. It'd be more fair to flip a coin. Uh, in a situation like that, but that's not we are where we are. There's politics of deception, though. There's another way to say that, and it is kind of like in the movies because of CG and because of the special effects, the way they film things. Nothing is ever as it seems. Uh, in a movie, when a horse stumbles and falls and they shoot it, the horse is probably okay in real life. But in real life now, in politics, nothing is as it seems. And uh, I want to bring this up real quick while it's on my mind. You, you mentioned J6. J6 is, is becoming infamous for the things we don't know as well as the things we know. But I believe the Democrats have had their own January 6th, and I don't believe people recognize it to that extent. Well, because once again, the corporate media is helping to cover it up. Well, that's right. If J6 is what you can look at and say, Republicans are bad people. Republicans don't know what they're doing. Republicans can't govern because of January 6th. Then what do you say about Democrats based on the withdrawal from Afghanistan, where 13 American servicemen died? where hundreds, if not thousands, of Afghans died, where women were subjugated again, where we left behind $5 billion worth of equipment that's now showing up in other trouble spots around the world, where people wanted out of that hellhole so bad that they were clinging to the wings and the doors of airplanes as they flew out. That is the biggest bungle since Jimmy Carter tried to rescue the student hostages in Iran. Was it? Was it's, there another certainly, one? No, was no, there another no, one in no. There? What I would say is, was it an awful, awful, awful occurrence as you describe? Absolutely. Was it a mistake? Well, that's the question. Because what? Nothing is ever as it seems. Exactly. So all did, the mistake, all the mistakes were they really made? Was it really just? Did they a, just know that the media was going to have their back? You think? Well, I mean, you know, pattern recognition they have for everything else. Do we have hearings on that all the time, constantly? Do we have Liz Cheney coming out and talking about the Afghan uh, withdrawal? I, I just think that that's far worse. The Afghanistan withdrawal, in my mind, along with a couple of other stupid things that Joe Biden does, which is pretty much everything Joe Biden does, I think that led us directly into two wars. 
But you look at things, and we have been in a managed decline for at the hands of our elites, the ruling class, for a number of years, even some would say decades. It's been accelerated now. With Afghanistan, like a lot of other things, the same with Ukraine. Okay, we can look at it and say the U.S. were the, were the citizens, taxpayers. We were the losers. But let's not focus on that. Let's focus on who benefited from Afghanistan being handled as it did. The Taliban. Yep. Every terrorist group on the globe. They have now access because of all of those weapons and all that equipment that went into the black market and has been sold because the Taliban at a point, they're kind of like, you know, hey, guys, we got enough here. We, we can go make some money on this. Who else? Oh, wasn't it China with getting that nice, shiny, remodeled, updated base there in Afghanistan, Bagram, that we had spent so much money on fixing up? And now the Chinese, the CCP, has control of that? Well, that's true. And back home, the FBI's been rewarded with a brand-new headquarters as well. You know, you talk about the politics of deception. Names just keep flooding into my head. Al Gore was worth 7.5, no, 1.7, I believe it was, million dollars when he stepped out of the vice president's role. He's now worth over $300 million from pushing climate change. Climate change may or may not exist. It certainly may not may or may not exist in the form that they tell us, but it's damned profitable. It's a it's a it's a winning issue for some, for many, for many. And it's made Al yes. Gore a very very rich person. Yes. And it and it's you know obviously there's something to climate change. The climate changes from six o'clock in the morning till till you know ten o'clock at night for that matter. But uh, on the scale that they want to do, we're now being deceived to the point that we're being told that we're not going to be able to drive gas-powered cars, gasoline-powered cars, internal combustion engine. We're being told that we'll have to get rid of a gas-powered, natural gas-powered kitchen range. Uh, Do they think electricity just is manufactured by putting a key on a kite string? I mean, how do they think we get electricity? Well, I mean, the whole thing is is based on an irrational thought process. None of it it makes real sense in terms of when you logically think things through. And that, yes, okay, we're going to go have all these electric vehicles, and that's going to save the problem. That's going to solve the problem from the evils of of gasoline-powered cars. Well, this electricity, that means that you're going to have to go and create more electricity in order to be able to charge these cars. Oh, but at the same time, we're going around and we're, we're closing down electricity, electrical generating plants, and we're replacing them with renewable things like wind and solar. Solar that even half of the year when we have shorter days produces even a even more of a fraction that baseload generating electricity does. And so none of it makes sense if you put any kind of critical thinking skills to what is being proposed. However, we don't dare do that. And, oh, by the way, our population is less adept for using critical thinking skills thanks to a screwed-up education system. And what do we have to do to the earth to get the lithium that we have to have to make these batteries? 
I oh. mean, it, it's unbelievable. Uh, and and it's somebody told me, and you can tell me if you think this is right or not, but every time somebody buys an electric car, that car has been the recipient of about $50,000 worth of government subsidies. Mm-hmm. And it, it just seems to me that to tell us, no, we can't have a car powered by what has turned out to be a very abundant source of energy, fossil fuels, coal can burn clean, certainly cleaner than it used to. Uh, the oil that Biden has to bring in from other countries isn't as clean oil as we could have here from Midland, Odessa. And we ignore nuclear as ignore an option. It. But mm-hmm. I'm sure all these things will be settled out as we move into the 2024 election cycle. All right. Politics of deception. Is Joe Biden going to be the nominee? Luann, I ask you. It would seem that if a change were going to be made in a rational world, it would be made sooner rather than later. However, rational is no longer the world we operate in. And I think if he is replaced, it will be in some type of crisis type situation. And you're treading into the territory where I wanted to go. There are two ways to choose a presidential candidate. One way is to go through the process. Somebody declares, buy television commercials and radio commercials and show up at the debates and and go work the county fairs and go to all the primary states. The other way, the last minute, something happens. Maybe an event, maybe a health event happens to somebody who you had considered to be your nominee. In that event, they could easily choose the vice president. They can't do that this time because the vice president's an idiot and a blithering one at that. They can't choose her. She would lose the election. Yeah, she's not not electable. So take this line of thought. If Joe is the proposed or supposed nominee right up to the the point of, of, of the trains about to leave the station, but yet... Everybody in the Democratic Party is pretty sure it's not going to be him. At that point, they declare whatever kind of emergency you just mentioned, and they get to choose the candidate they want. Absolutely. And that candidate could be Gavin Newsom. If they want to go gay, it could be Pete Buttigieg, who's absolute failure at everything he's touched. Uh, but, but then again, Gavin Newsom's record in California is pretty abysmal as well. Who else is there? Whitmer? I don't know that she has any, any way to do it. And Papoose would be a laughingstock. Elizabeth Warren. Uh, so Michelle Obama, who's famous for only one line. I've never before been proud of my country until it nominated or elected Barack. I mean, that she has absolutely not a single accomplishment to her name that I can think of. And that leaves her finest. Hillary, Diane, Rodham, Clinton. Take that and run with it. I still think that is a stretch because anybody really under the age of 40, if they know anything about her, I don't think it's positive. And this could be one time when an ignorant electorate, an ignorant young electorate could work in our advantage because they'd be like, Hillary who? Okay, but people know who Taylor Swift's NFL boyfriend is. I don't know that. 
I know he plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, but I have not yet committed the name to memory because I don't care. But the young people care, and they know about that. Will the young people just recognize a name? Oh, that's a Democrat and automatically vote? Because Biden's losing the young vote. Biden's losing the black vote. Biden's losing the Hispanic vote. He's underwater, as far as I can tell, in every single demographic group. Now, is this real or is this deception? Do you believe all this? you believe he's sinking this fast? Well, people, people, yes, I do, because it's people's lived experience. They may not want to give Trump the credit for the years prior to 2020 being you, you, good. You, you mean in which we had a perfect economy and no wars? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, you, you, oh, but you know what we had? We had mean tweets, and we had him sparring with little Rocket Man, and you know him and the, the mullahs always kind of in each other's grills. Yep. And there was a lot of rhetoric going around that just amazes me, even people on the right who are educated people and they just don't like their tonal sensitivity is just so refined that all that tough talk just really bothered them. Well, you know what? I can deal with tough talk over Ukraine where right now when they go and they bring somebody in to recruit them, they're bringing in their 50-year-old men to recruit because they have slaughtered the 20-year-olds, the 30-year-olds of their country. They have slaughtered those people or the ones that are left. They have limbs that are blown off. So you know something? I can take little Rocket Man and Trump trading mean tweets all day long when that's what we have as an alternative. And we are on the precipice of our own troops going into that same awful ground. Politics of deception. Let me throw this one out. The Republican Party is a bunch of MAGA extremists. And if we elect them and we put Trump back in power, it will be the end of democracy as we know it. All right. Gavin Newsom has said that. Hillary Clinton said that recently on The View a couple of weeks ago. Biden had a what they call the red speech, the, the Nazi-looking imagery he had right. in Philadelphia. Uh, this, this is positioning and branding at its best, but it's also deception. Because that, that, that's not Trump at all. They're talking about a guy wanting to end America whose entire brand is centered around making America great. Joe, Joe Scarborough just this week sat there on with Morning Mika talking about how Trump was going to come in and, and execute, execute people. Yes. I mean, I, I really, I mean, it's, it's fascinating and... I know there are people out there that are eating that stuff up, but I just truly have to believe that even some of the the people that have been going for this are now all of a sudden going, wait a minute, I don't I don't remember that. And certainly they love Morning Joe or Morning Mika and the rest of them love talking about J six and all that and they take with pride that we have all those that they have they have all those people locked up. And so You've got to feel like that there are there are those out there who are starting to say, wait a minute, we need to rethink well, this. Well, what's the Trump body count as opposed to the Clinton body count, for example, uh, or even the Biden body, body count? I think the Biden body count, you got 13 servicemen dead in Afghanistan because of Joe Biden. 
And there is no telling how many people in Ukraine have died because he said, well, it depends on what kind of an incursion into Ukraine that Putin might do. And Putin goes, well, okay. He's saying it's okay. Uh, who knows what what we would be having in Israel and in Gaza right now if Joe Biden hadn't been so anti-Israel, so anti-Semitic. Biden hates the Israelis. He's always hated the Israelis. The Democrat Party hates the Israelis. So their body count compared to our body count, and I'm, when I say our, I just mean people with brains who are able to think with functioning brain stems. I mean, we may have a, a, a body count too, but it's nothing like that. Well, so if Gavin, Hillary, Joe, Michelle, Papoose, Papoose, if they aren't going to do our Joe Manchin, Mitt Romney, are they our salvation? Well, Joe Manchin, there's an interesting guy. You know what? I think Joe Manchin is a pretty good Democrat. I'll just put it that way. I don't agree with him on most things. But I can find some things that I would agree with him on. Um, maybe his pipeline was something that could have been beneficial. But, of course, Biden lied about that. And they told him he would get it. And then they took it away. But Joe Manchin is, was, to me, like Robert Kennedy. I, there, are some, there are some things I like about Robert Kennedy. But he's left-wing Democrat all the way on 99% of it. You may agree with, with him on, on mandatory vaccinations. But that's probably the extent of it if you're a conservative. The deep so, state. It's, yes. So so to answer your question about Manchin, I mean, Lord knows I hope he runs. If he runs with Romney, I don't even know how they decide who's at the top of the ticket and who's at the bottom of the ticket. They're, they're pretty close on a lot of things. But again, go back to our theme, the politics of deception. Is there some reason for Manchin to run that would be detrimental to Trump? Because it seems to me everything about his running would help Trump, and yet I don't believe anything, I don't even believe anything I say anymore half the time. I, I think they are just looking to sow the seeds of, of just chaos. And it's kind of a let the chips fall where they may. If they can just keep things, if they can keep things just chaotic enough. Now, one of the things that just so amazes me, though, about these no labels and even to a degree about Kennedy uh, running as a third party is ballot access. Now, it's been 30 years, but back in the early 90s, when Ross Perot was running and his campaign headquarters was based there in Dallas, Texas, and a young Lou Ann Anderson went over and helped sort petitions over on 635 in Park Central 3 in an office building. I worked and, in Park Central 3 on the fifth floor. Well, I would go over there and we had conference rooms full of stacks of petitions for, for, for different states 
for him getting Well, his headquarters is right up Forest Lane there, as, right. I, as I recall. Right, that was the old EDS. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember yeah. my cousin Bobby Woolley was second in command there. Yeah. I got to play on Ross's personal tennis courts. Nice. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I remember and that, so, I, remember I mean, that, that was a well. huge undertaking. And But he got more than any other third party in history. Right. And if it wasn't for the dumb things he did, like accuse the Bushes of ruining a wedding or something, uh, what was the other thing? Which, he, which in the after, you think Ken Paxton thinks that's really dumb? Well, not anymore. Like I said, <laughs> as, as we say, Luann, there's anything that can happen that anybody can charge yeah, no, turns no, out to be true. Yeah, yeah, he's starting to he's starting to have what, have a real point with that these days. But, he, but that hurt him. Yes, and it if did. he hadn't dropped out and come back in, that man would have been president. And I asked my cousin Bobby, who knew him as well as anybody in the world outside of his immediate family. I said, what do you think? And and he was a, Bobby's somewhat left of center. I said, uh, what do you think of Ross? You knew him. Well, he said, well, I'll just put it this way. I voted for him. You know why? Why he voted for him? It's like Trump. I don't see Trump as a Republican. I see Trump as a problem solver. Yes. We got a problem with Putin wanting to go into Ukraine. How do we solve that? We've got a situation in Gaza. How do we solve that? Trump Trump's not sitting there going, gosh, as a conservative, how do I solve it? He's going in there and saying, how do I fix this problem we have? And he fixed most of them. You know, the only one that I can think of that he really didn't fix that I wish he would have and he might do it in a second term is is the horrible amount of bleeding that we have financially in the country with a $33 trillion debt. But we didn't have we didn't have a border problem under Trump. We didn't have an inflation problem. We didn't have an economy problem. We didn't have a, a, much of a Putin problem. I mean, Russia's always going to be Russia. Uh, he had China at bay with the Chinese uh, tariffs. He had um, basically pretty much terrorism under control. He showed that a relatively nonpartisan approach to government could be effective. Exactly. That's dangerous for both sides. But but it's and dangerous partially why both sides hate him. Exactly, but when if you're trying to be reasonable about this, I'm going to ask you this question. If you know, I call myself the secretary of logic because I think America needs a, lo- a department of logic and we don't have one and I'm just I'm serving without pay, by the way, as the secretary of the Department of Logic. If you start thinking about ways to fix things that are wrong in this country, and you take all the politics out of it, if that were possible, and you lay out the very best solution, which is what Trump would do, 90 times out of 100 or maybe 99 times out of 100, that solution's going to look conservative. Yes. Because the the if you pick out the very best solution that would make somebody like Elizabeth Warren or Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden happy, that's not going to look like uh, that that's going to look like a left-wing liberal solution based on things like color of skin or a commitment to a a a uh, a geological change in climate because it's ideologically that you must it's, believe it's in. ideologically based and for everyone who believes in that ideology you also have a number of people on the other side who don't believe in it i want to throw that out too because this is a phenomenon that has just driven me crazy for most of my life i understand that let's just use the terms republican and democrat for this argument, and I'll throw it out and let you comment because maybe you can help me. I don't understand it. 
there are things that you would expect that Republicans would rally around. Less government, uh, moderation in spending, uh, I don't know, maybe a certain kind of a relationship with foreign powers and all that. That's fine. And there are certain things you would think Democrats uh, they would, would rally around. They want to tax the rich. Actually, they want to tax everybody. They like to spend more. They, they like to bring home the bacon and so on and so forth. But when it gets into other issues, have you noticed how everything lines up left or right? If you're a Republican or a, or a, a conservative, typically, not always, but typically you're pro-life to at least some extent. Typically... You're you're a little leery about this whole idea of, of man-made climate change. Typically, you support Israel. On the left, it's all different. Everything's about skin color. Everything you hate Israel, and you 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 put a Palestinian flag up on the outside of your office, like uh, Rashida Tlaib did. How is it that? It's not just political issues that the left and right are so separated on. And it almost never has an exception. Do they go to a school somewhere? You're going to be a Democrat and run for office. All right, you hate Israel. Well, it used to, I think, that your home life, your family, was probably the greatest influence for a lot of your thinking Mm -hmm. certainly that was the basis for a lot of of knowledge or perspective that you had now there's so many other sources of influence that are coming in from the schools look how much more time kids spend in school these days and then when they're not in school they're sitting here with one of these you know devices from hell that their noses are in and they're getting all sorts of messaging from there. And we even have opened our homes like with TikTok and even these other social media companies, we've opened our homes to a flow of very hates, hate oriented content coming into our kids to a large degree. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think that you have this divide that keeps coming because there's just so many new sources of information that are coming at them but you know as i know we're we're watching the clock here and and wanting to wrap on this thing soon for all the negativity for all the gloom and doom and hey i'm i'm up there in the doom i've got my tinfoil hat so some people would say because i think 2024 is going to be a hellacious year we're in what's called a fourth turning mm-hmm. uh you know if you're interested in in societal trends look up turnings they usually come they come in in four different phases the fourth phase is the worst it's the chaos it is the the violence. It is the major social upheaval. And we got probably another 10 years of that still oh, to Lord. go. And so I think 2024 is going to be, is it the last year of us losing our country? I don't know about that. I'm not going to say it's not, but it's a big one. And I think that the lead up to it is going to be crazy. But that said, there are signs that you know as trump says are you tired of winning there are some wins that are actually out there and i came across a real interesting article this morning um 
a substack called Welcome to Absurdistan <laughs> by a gal, Elizabeth Nixon. And in this article, she brought, um, brought up a guy on Instagram who his handle is, um, oh gosh, where is he here? He, um, his handle is Fernandez. Um, yeah, Kevin Fernandez, that's Fernandez DES82 on Instagram. And he does goes through and just does an aggregation, a daily aggregation of the wins by populists across the world. And certainly what we see here with Trump and with a lot on the right is of a populist nature. And that's part of what the that's part of the the conflict that we're in now it's mm-hmm. about the globalist and the populist and it's something that's happening worldwide and this guy tracks that and this is just like from the last week 10 days or so he goes through and has on his instagram he has examples of this and we start with gert wilders and his party for freedom they won a groundbreaking victory in the netherlands we've got javier malay down in argentina who one and he's promising to strip govern government of many ministries and remember he was going around campaigning with his chainsaw even getting rid of a central bank yes exactly in spain we've got the streets are full of people calling for an end to socialism because they've got a, a leader there who was trying to ally himself with the socialist party in order to come up with the coalition and keep control of the government and I mean, it's basically it's 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 a coup of sorts, and the people are in the streets that are actually looking to to um to to try and, and stop that from happening. You know, they're upset about losing their government. Too bad Americans aren't quite as enthusiastic. Then you've got even some other things like you know the restaurant. Remember when Sarah Huckabee Sanders got kicked out of that restaurant way back when? Darn it, they're closing their doors. Oh. They're going out of business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it goes on and on and on. You know, we've just got a Republican that beat a Democrat for the mayoral race in Charleston, South Carolina, first time since 1877. Remember in Louisiana, mm-hmm. we just Louisiana, had the same the thing. Republicans yeah, took the whole yeah, state. Yeah, Farmers in France sprayed government buildings with cow manure to protest increases in charges and taxes. Uh down in Georgia, the guy uh, that was the um, Black Voices for Trump, who um, activist who was pulled into that whole Fonnie Willis nonsense, you know, being um, cited as a as a co-conspirator in those cases down there, and they left him the only Black guy. He was the one that spent more time in jail. They wouldn't they wouldn't give him bail. Well, now they came after him again, and the judge rejected a bid to lock him up over his social media posts. We've got things um, going on here. Italian court convicted 207 people in a mafia trial. Here we got Mike Johnson releasing the security footage for the um, for the the J six stuff. I mean, this just goes on and on and on about the Irish riot after an Algerian <laughs> migrant injures three three children, and that now they're you know going hard in on their their immigration um andrew como was sued for sexual harassment by a former executive assistant we've got uh we've got some things coming up now on the election front also with with um in georgia 
Dominion, they're getting ready to go to court. So Lindell, some of his people are actually getting ready to have their day in court to adjudicate whether or not there's problems with those machines. And a similar thing is getting ready to happen up in um, New Hampshire. And I mean, this just goes on and on and on of all these different things. So believe it or not, we actually are having some wins. Oh, here's one. Elon Musk is donating all ex-corporate revenue from advertising and subscriptions associated with the war in Gaza to hospitals in Israel and the Red Cross Crescent in Gaza. Morning Joe admits Ukraine has lost the war against Russia. Fauci admits COVID vaccine causes myocarditis in young men. So we've got, there are well, things, good things happening. And this, the Texas secession movement is back on <laughs> online uh, up at the Waco Convention Center. Just a couple of things, and we'll wrap this up, but I, I did want to mention a couple of other deceptions that are just too big to not mention if we're talking about the politics of deception. One is, and I know this is obvious, but men cannot magically turn into women. We can wear panties, but we can't turn into women. Not going to happen. And this is why L, G, and B are not really wanting to align much with T anymore. The other one is right here in the good old state of Texas, where we have been told that because of this movement for school choice, that our schools are not fully funded. But our schools comprise, I can't remember the percentage, but it was something ungodly, like 50 or 60% of the money that the state spends in this state. To say the schools are not fully funded is to look at the people of Texas and lie to them. The schools are fully funded. So stop peeing on our leg and telling us it's raining. It's just never enough. No, it's never enough for them. And I would like to see what my good friend Jim Cardle calls the election, the, the, the education blob, I would like to see a school superintendent who maybe actually teaches a class, at least one every day, and maybe in a different school or whatever. I would like to see a school superintendent who does the work of the school superintendent instead of the assistant superintendents doing it. Uh, I think that we're being deceived on so many levels by the schools and uh, that we need to open up our eyes and take a look. Remember, they're wanting control of your children. They don't want you to have control of your children. And they're wanting to tell your children not how to think, but what to think. And that's part of why we are at where we are right now. Well, and Lynn and I, you know, over decades, you and I have talked. And one of the things that as we talk about the, you know, regular, regular cycles we've gone through of bond elections. And most of the bond elections that we see certainly here in the state of Texas the government's asking for more taxpayer money. Most of the time, mm -hmm. it's the schools that dominate those elections. But the deception there is they say your tax rate is not going to go up. But and, they have ways to make your taxes go up without your tax rate oh, going absolutely. up. They have ways to do that through appraisals and everything else. So, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the schools are not happy with the idea that they now by law have to say, a yes vote will increase your taxes. Exactly the, on the ballot. The yes, vote. and it's been a long it's been a long slog to get well, that on. But let me just make this this quick point that also with those bond elections, we always hear that rallying cry that it's for the children. Uh -huh. And I've got a column that I just recently put up, and it's like with the school choice debate, it's now been revealed that public education, when it comes to school choice, they've shifted. From for the children to for the system. 
And that's very important to look at because what you have, the advocacy that you see, especially with these militant school districts, school superintendents out there moaning because, oh, it's they're looking to take money away from the public education and give it to private schools and all those type things. What what you are seeing is that's looking to prop up the system and you see that it's not for the kids it's not for the teachers the teachers got shafted in this most recent bill that was torpedoed in the in the texas house of representatives and so anyway i think it's important that people look out check out my column about how public education has shown itself it's not about being for the children it's totally about being for the system the public education system when we talk about the politics of deception there is never enough time but i think we covered the main points and uh, if you've got some more luann and i both have facebook pages and you're certainly welcome to email us or to uh, post some more of these types of things. But Absolutely. Just, just remember this. Believe nothing that you read in the mainstream media. Research it. Don't believe what I read or what I write or Luann writes until you've researched it. Make sure that you've got multiple sources and sources that you feel like you can trust. And only believe about half of what you see because uh, that can be deceptive as well. All right. The show was The Politics of Deception at Planet Logic and at Political Pursuits, the podcast. I'm Lynn Woolley for Lou Ann Anderson. Thanks for joining us. And remember, courage is contagious. Let's go spread some around.